And we are back, finally, after a long hiatus. I don't know how long it's been. It's been a while. David Honcast, episode 10, brought to you by me, David Hahn. I hope everyone had a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. It is January 4th as of this recording. Um, went up to Sacramento to visit the in-laws for Christmas. It was a very pleasant week. It was pretty chilly in Sacramento, but uh, I didn't really go out much because of COVID. And even when I did go out, there wasn't a whole lot of people out. And if they were, they were wearing masks outside because that's where we are right now. Uh, New Year, New Year's Eve into New Year's Day was pretty uneventful for obvious reasons. We're not allowed to do shit, but I'm at that age now where I'm barely making it to midnight. So I was in bed by maybe 10.30, just laying there, seeing if I could make it to midnight. And I did. I uh, was in the shower when it crossed midnight. So I completely missed it. It doesn't count, right? It's still 2020 for me. Is that how it works? What else has been going on? So I had my first encounter... With a mask Nazi, Uh, this was before I took a break for Christmas. This was out in, I think, Playa del Rey. I live out here in uh, Los Angeles County. And I was just finishing work, and my buddy Nick was with me. And I was walking out on the sidewalk towards my car, and I hear this voice shout, Wear your mask! And it was probably that deep. I'm not I'm not over-exaggerating here. I don't even have a deep voice. So I don't know how that's going to sound in the recording, but it wasn't very ladylike. And I was confused. I looked around, and I saw this old lady. She, you know, it looked like an old Armenian lady. And she was accosting us from about 12 feet away in the street, mind you. She walked into the street. And she yelled at us, where are your masks? And I looked at her and I said, mind your business. And she kept on about wearing my mask, which I, w- I don't know, it was, it was on me. And I, had some, I had just finally just said, mind your business, bitch, to some old lady. Yeah, I've become that. And uh, my buddy Nick wasn't... Uh, he um, he was about as nice as I was. Uh, he might have been nicer because I didn't. He didn't curse at her. He just he just told her to stay home, which is what she should do. Okay. I have a problem with people calling people who don't wear masks selfish when they're the ones who want to mandate other people change their behaviors because other people made very poor choices over their lifetimes to put themselves in a really bad condition of health. Um, That's more selfish. So if you're one of those people, go fuck yourself. A couple things I do want to talk about. Um, I ordered some Japanese food the other night and got a couple rolls, but I decided to stay a bit from the usual and get some ramen. Okay. Um, 
Now, on the rare occasion I do eat ramen, I get it from a restaurant that is dedicated to ramen. Now, principally, I don't like the idea of paying 17 to $20 for a bowl of noodles, but when I can get it, um, I get that shit at the grocery store for 30 cents a pack, um, because that's the same thing, right? It is. It's the same thing, right? I mean, that's all I ate as a kid. I think dollar for dollar, the stuff you get at the grocery store is a better value. You get more for your money. Just saying. So, uh, anyways, uh, the food arrives, and I didn't finish my ramen. I didn't finish my food. Um, now, anyone that knows me uh, knows that, you know, seldom is there a meal that I won't finish. Uh, it was just really how I was raised. Um, now, if you put... You know, if you put it on your plate, you have to finish it. Now, given this, I'm surprised I'm not a complete fat ass. You know, I'm only a partial fat ass. Anyways, so I didn't finish my ramen. Uh, And first, I noticed there was something a little funky about the noodles. Uh, They weren't as robust in texture or as flavorful as I'm used to. Now, additionally, the broth was bland. Now, that's when my wife informed me that my ramen was gluten-free. Why the fuck would you make noodles gluten-free? That's the, new, that's the reason why noodles are delicious. You know, no one likes fat-free butter. No one likes non-alcoholic beer. That's bullshit. And you can't fuck with a limp dick. Gluten-free noodles aren't even noodles. It may as well be wet bread or something. So I'm also having a hard time figuring out why you'd put in the added effort to make a sushi restaurant gluten-free. Now I figured the nature of the food would imply as much. Okay? Now outside of noodles uh, that they ruined, uh, you know, what else is there? Is it just a way to signal to stupid people who can't already figure out that rice and raw fish are inherently gluten-free? Mind you, none of these people actually have something like celiac disease. These assholes have some sort of self-professed gluten sensitivity. Oh, I just feel feel terrible when I eat things with gluten. Yeah, you and everyone else. Now, foods with gluten generally aren't good for you. You make just about everyone feel like shit, okay? You're not special. You're just dumb. When I eat bread noodles, I feel like shit too. I know what I'm getting into. I eat because it tastes good. All right, when I eat bread noodles, uh, you know, I'm like, I'm not going to come out of this feeling great. All right? When I don't want to feel terrible, I stop eating that shit. Pure and simple. You know, for some reason, there's people out there who desire to eat an inferior version of all of these foods. I I don't understand why. So you're not feeling deprived? How about feeling disappointed? Because that's what gluten-free foods are. 
It's like, you know, cloning a clone. Chances are it's going to be a little retarded. You know, it reminds me of uh, of strident vegans, which I don't even know if that distinction really needs to be made. All right? It's like they won't eat meat, but they'll eat processed bullshit that is made to look and taste like meat. Now, the way I see it is like vegans are nutritional lesbians. Lesb- lesbians are like, See, I don't fuck with dicks, but I'll fuck with big rubber dicks that need to be anatomically accurate. Yeah, that vein looks like it's in the right place. Oh, and make it as big as a midget's arm. Um, there's even a vegan burger out there that bleeds like real beef. The fuck kind of shit is that? They're even trying to simulate the messy, annoying aspects of the immoral foods that they're swearing to avoid. It makes no sense. That'd be like making a real-life sex doll and, uh, you know, at the end, uh, they're saying, you know what will really enhance the experience? Uh, Make it bleed for five days out of every 28. All right, second thing I want to talk about is a piece that was written in the New England Journal of Medicine. And it was titled, Failed Assignments, Rethinking Sex Designations on Birth Certificates. Now, I just saw the tweet sent out by the New England Journal of Medicine, and I initially reacted to the tweet, and my reaction was, oh, for fuck's sake. Um, And so I was prompted to read the piece by someone in my family, and I did, and... um, I gotta say it made it worse. So my initial response really was mainly a product of me and others that I know uh, joking about how we should do away with labeling sex on birth certificates uh, only to find out that three doctors think it's a legitimate idea. And, you know for progress, I guess. So, I really want to sort of talk about this. Um, Now, if I'm going to be polite, the reasoning in this piece, which you can all look up, it's, again, it's called Failed Assignments. It was in the New England Journal of Medicine. Um, If I'm going to be polite, the reasoning itself is a tad bit flimsy, and it's backed by bad science. Um, They assert that sex is not binary, and it's flat-out wrong. And the thing is, obviously, I'm not a sexologist, I'm not a biologist, so you don't take my word for it. You know, look this up, go talk, or don't talk, but uh, go look up the work of Dr. Deborah So. She has made a career out of researching sex. And she says that sex is binary. So to say it's not is flat out wrong. It's just not true. No honest biologist will admit to this. Right? Now, In the piece, it asserts that sex is a function of multiple biologic processes with many resultant combinations. 
Um, well, according to Deborah So, uh, sex is actually not defined by chromosomes, genitals, or hormones. Sex is defined by the gametes. Now, the intermediaries do not exist between male and female gametes, making it binary. Um, if we're to isolate just the intersex statistics, which are cited by the authors, uh, one in 5,000 uh, people being intersex is just 0.02% of the population. Um, despite their classifications as intersex, uh, by the use of sex chromosomes, they still will produce either one of the two gametes. Uh, if not, they're going to be infertile. The issue is that oftentimes intersex individuals will identify themselves as the sex that is opposed to their gametes. Um, identifying sex through chromosomes or genitalia st still yields a much greater than 99% accuracy to the person's biological sex. So really, if we're going to take a less than 1% exception to refute how we define concepts, anything can be used as an exception for everything. Nothing can be objective because we can point to a statistically minuscule exception to the rule and use it to redef redefine all things. One of the things I like to point to is the subtle manipulation of language when people have an agenda. So I'm very attuned to it, as I think most people are, and these folks do it purposefully. Uh, to use the term assigning sex isn't a thing. That's a linguistic sleight of hand. So to assign sex implies that it's a decision-making process when it's not. Sex is identified mostly uh, by a visual inspection of the genitalia. Again, it's with greater than 99% accuracy. With 6 in 1,000 people identifying as transgender, that's 0.6%, but almost all of them transition along the binary. Right, The rest of them comprise of an even smaller demographic. Even gender nonconforming individuals almost exclusively express themselves along a binary of feminine or masculine. Right? So really, by today's standards, a tomboy would constitute gender nonconforming. And are we to no longer list sex because a girl probably was exposed to more testosterone in utero? Because scientifically, that's most likely what happened, right? Now, deeper into the piece, it says that people with intersex variations may undergo surgeries before they're old enough to consent, often losing reproductive capacity and sexual sensation as a result. But if undergoing unnecessary surgeries is a legitimate concern, I have a hard time understanding how that pertains to the birth certificate. Social pressures by one's peer group is a much bigger factor in people undergoing unnecessary surgeries in both intersex and transgender individuals. Now, Dr. So and even Ab Abigail Schreier, who is a journalist for the Wall Street Journal, they have written and talked extensively about the social phenomenon that is rapid onset gender dysphoria. Y'all should look those up.
I have both books, and I'm in the process of reading both of them, and they're very good, so I suggest that you, you know, seek those out. The piece goes on to raise issues and concerns regarding the enforcement of bathrooms, restrooms, transgenders in military, and also transgenders in sport. But the fact is we have rules regarding sex for a reason. So I don't know how many of you have read what the process is for transgender serving in the military. Um, there's a couple of people in the know who have mentioned what happens when someone chooses to transition. And what happens is, from, from what, again, from everything I've read and talked to the people who have been in the military and in the know, the, the individuals who choose to transition essentially become undeployable. So, you know, another issue raised is moving people into prisons according to their uh, gender identity. But that's proven to be a disaster in certain scenarios where biological men who identify as women are raping biological women. So, you know, the thing is, if we're to go by the standard of a statistically rare occurrence shaping policy, I, you know, why are we not then, um, you know, ceasing to send men who identify as women into women's prisons? If that's really the standard. So, you know, the problems presented uh, in the piece not only represent a small demographic of the population as a whole. But the thing is, you know, we can have solutions addressing the specific problems that are laid out regarding transgender people. Um, Because fact is, I don't care how someone wants to identify themselves and if they want to identify themselves as the opposite sex, they want to present and dress as such and live their lives out in that manner. None of that is my business. Um, you know, you want to make it easier to amend a birth certificate after the fact? Fine. Um, but my issue is they want to alter policy and subvert the culture for less than 1% of the population, and it's nonsensical. It's, you know, it's much like the reasoning set forth by these three doctors who wrote this piece. So... Just to give you an analogy, you know, the top 1% of height for human beings is 6 feet 5 inches. Now, no one would think it's a good idea to make a law requiring car manufacturers to build other cars to accommodate people of that height. All right? And even if you did that, now we're going to have problems for people who are under 5 foot 5. So, you know, where where are we choosing to focus our energies in, in shaping a, a policy that's good for most people? So there should be solutions that specifically target issues faced by these individuals. Right? None of these solutions should involve turning entire systems on their head, unless that's their purpose, which will bring me to my final word on this. Frankly, the piece is filled with just nonsense. 
So they claim the medical community has a duty to ensure that policymakers don't misinterpret science regarding sex when they themselves dispense with the science regarding sex and their own scientific illiteracy. Now, it's this reasoning that is being used to influence public policy. So, for instance, in the state of California, in some schools, uh, they're teaching children as early as kindergarten that gender is fluid. Now, the state mandates that only affirmative care be performed when it comes to gender dysphoria, which allows teachers and doctors to encourage the behavior outside of the purview of the parents. Now, this even allows children to seek hormone treatments without parental consent. So, in the event a parent should object and step in, the state can take your kid away. So, this is not an exaggeration. You just got to read the policies. Right? The concept of rapid onset gender dysphoria is, is a legitimate concern of mine now that I have a father. Now that I am a father. Um, you know, kids think themselves to be many things not least of which is being the opposite sex. Now, we may not be allowed to let our kids just grow up, you know, through a phase without social pressure from teachers and friends encouraging them to transition as children. This is not a value that I hold. And, um, you know, at, at a certain point, I'm, I'm just going to leave the state. I can't, I'm, I refuse to raise my child in that environment. And that's it for tonight. I appreciate all 12 of you who are tuning in. I hope you all have a good week. I turn 42 in a couple of days. And to celebrate, I'm going to go out to the firing range. I'm going to shoot some guns. I'm going to come home. I'm going to lift some weights. And I am going to then smoke some cigars and drink some whiskey. Well, until next time, everyone, have a good night.